Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. episode of College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, the 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, and this week we are talking all about risers, both in the high school game and in the college game as it relates to draftables. So I'm going to have on Isaac Trotter, the 24-7 Sports National College Basketball Writer. We're going to talk about three prospects who are now rising in our draftables list and their backstory. Then we're going to talk to Travis Branham, a 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst, about some of the high school prospects who have really helped themselves in the first month of the season. Stay tuned for that and more coming up next. All right, going to welcome into the show 24-7 Sports National Basketball writer Isaac Trotter. And Isaac, the reason I wanted to have you on today is because I'm writing about draftables risers, as I've done uh, in each of the last two years. And a number of these guys you have already covered in various pieces. A couple of weeks ago, you wrote a very detailed feature about Dalton Connect, who is coming out of nowhere and, and really emerging as Tennessee's guy this season and also putting his name on the NBA map. I'm going to get into that in a minute, but I wanted to go back, first encourage everybody to read that feature, just as Travis Branham encouraged people to do so last week, and, and get you to summarize it here. Like, how did he get to this point? Yeah, it's a really cool story. He's five foot six. He's a freshman in high school. He wants to be a pro. He kind of gets a growth spurt. He's up to six two, six three. makes a lot of big shots in high school, but he just didn't have the grade. School wasn't really important for him. I talked to him. He called himself a, a, a tried and true procrastinator. And uh, he learned it, how to kind of how to master school, what he needed to do to just to pass his classes at junior college. Uh, and then COVID hits like unsure of what he's supposed to do there. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to be a big fish in a small pond. He goes to Northern Colorado. It was a game plan to go there. Like, hey, I know I'm going to get the COVID year as a fifth year guy. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get the ball in my hands. I'm going to try to put up numbers and I'm going to try to transfer in a couple of years. And so he goes to Northern Colorado, does just that. Uh, he has a year one where he joins a really good team. Year two was a really bad team, but he just scored a ton of points and just completely flashed the eye test. And Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him in the portal. And he's gone to Tennessee and turned into a really, really cool story. But it's a guy who's he's had a lot of challenges throughout his career and he just refuses to give up. And I, I love that about his story. So I think what NBA scouts like is a few different things. One, it's it's the the body. You know, the frame looks mature. We've seen a trend in the NBA in the last few years, like in the last five to ten picks in the first round. Whereas previously you saw teams kind of bet on upside and look for almost like a high risk, high reward play. It's been just the opposite in recent years where they've taken advantage of that low salary cap number and tried to find somebody they could plug in uh, without hitting that salary cap too much. You can step in and play. So that means like you're physically ready. You're typically a little older. And I think Dalton Connect um, probably fits that mold because um, he can shoot. He's got a very, you know, he's got a minimal dip in his shot. So I think there's there's belief he's going to be able to get it off at the next level. He's also a good vertical athlete and he's got that that strong body there. There's some parts of the way in which he attacks at Tennessee that I'm not sure will be 
uh, totally translatable to the NBA unless unless uh, his role ends up exceeding, um, you know, what I think most project him at right now. But I, I think there's increasing belief with every passing week that this is a guy who can go in and have have an impact. I think part of that, and so this is a follow-up question I want to ask you, going to Tennessee, you're going to play for Rick Barnes, a guy who you know is not going to put you on the floor unless you commit to the defensive end of the floor. This is this is not a player who was known for his defense, but I think is making strides. And I think that's resonating with scouts as well. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think going to Tennessee was a real conscious choice because he knew if he could improve on the defensive end, he had a chance to be a pro. And We've seen some of the the mistakes defensively, but I think you're starting to see a little bit of him understanding the scouting report and what he needs to be doing on every single time down the floor. And the big thing for me, too, is he's carrying a huge offensive load, and you yeah. have to play with so much energy defensively for what Rick Barnes wants you to do when you're constantly flooding the paint. Like, it, it's pretty impressive that what he's doing from a physical standpoint, too to be able to, you know, understand what he needs to do offensively and carry this. I mean, he has a 28, 29% usage rate for that Tennessee team. The ball is in his hands a lot. He's playing point guard, a lot of possessions too. Yeah. And then to bring it on the defensive end, I think that says a lot because he's he's not perfect. Rick Barnes says he's not perfect. Dalton Connect admits he's not perfect. But I think he's really made real strides on that defensive end. That's why he went to Tennessee. All right, another prospect I want to talk to you about is Devin Carter. Now, admittedly, Devin Carter is not new to the draftables. We've seen him kind of get a lot of national media buzz in, in recent weeks. Um, but this is someone who, uh, you know, was in the national top 100. I remember seeing coming out of high school. I remember seeing him at Brewster Academy. It was during the COVID years, so like they weren't playing games. Um, I, I would go in with the mask, sit, be the only one in the stands, watch him work out. And I remember thinking, although at the time he was not their most celebrated prospect, I remember thinking this is their best prospect. Uh, he committed to a South Carolina program with a head coach in Frank Martin, who I thought was a terrific fit for him because Devin Carter is a big, strong um, son of an NBA role player extraordinaire and Anthony Carter and really bought into that mentality of like defensive playmaking, utilizing his length, being able to guard multiple positions, and then just having some instincts that that translated on the offensive end of the floor as well. Um, Frank Martin uh, leaves South Carolina after last year. Devin Carter, uh, sorry, after his first year there, Devin Carter goes into the portal um, commits to Providence. What have you seen this year from Devin Carter? that has impressed you because I also want to make note of the fact that you just wrote about him. You did an article on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but transfers who are blossoming in their second year at a program uh, in which you can check that out for, for Isaac. But what have you seen from Devin Carter this year, his second at Providence, but his third head coach in college, uh, Kim English this year that has really resonated. You know, the shooting has really stuck, you know, through the first 10 games, he's already hit three or more threes in six of those first 10 games. That's a huge difference from what he's seen in the past. I think he's shooting about 40% from three point range out of over six attempts per game. That's huge. But I, I love the rebounding too. Like he's almost at eight rebounds per game as a six foot four ish guard. He plays with such tenacity, such effort on the defensive end. We know what he's going to be on the defensive end. And you kind of can translate that to the next level of what we expect. But you you have to make shots. And so far this year, his ability to just knock down catch and shoot threes has been a high, high level. And that changes the math for him. I think it changes completely what type of prospect he is. And it's really helped Providence, too, because he's he's developing into, you know, he's not their 1A. That's Bryce Hopkins role. But he's kind of their 1B right now. And that's a that's a really big deal for his stock now and for what Providence can do this season.
If he can make shots, he he's he's got a real chance to be an NBA role player. All right, third guy I want to ask you about is someone that um, that I believe you're going to be covering more, and you've certainly covered in the last couple of years out of the transfer portal. That's Jalen Tyson. He is putting up some serious numbers at Cal. Before I give you my take on it, tell me tell me his backstory. How did we get to this point? Yeah, he commits to Texas to play for Chris Beard a couple years ago, leaves early in the process to go to Texas Tech, a team that he was once committed to before in the high school recruiting process. He goes to Texas Tech, has a solid year. That team was pretty loaded as a sophomore, so he's kind of playing like, you know, he's starting, but he's making a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. He shot over 40% from three for Texas Tech. He's kind of a defensive guy, 3 and D kind of wing. If you want to throw those prototypes out there, that's what he was doing. Uh, the season does not go very well. He has an incident with Mark Adams. He hits the transfer portal, and the NCAA rules him ineligible under the two-time transfer thing. Uh, and that was an egregious decision, a completely egregious, when you know the backstory of kind of what happened with his incident with Mark Adams and, and why Mark Adams was let go. incident, too, Correct. right? Yeah. Correct. Mark Adams was let go for a racial, insensitive racial comment that was directed towards Jalen Tyson. And so he hits the portal. He goes to Cal. He was originally ruled ineligible. Now he got to play. Uh, finally, thankfully, that was, uh, you know, a really, really bad decision that finally got overturned and uh, cooler heads prevailed with that one. And now he's turned into a stud. And Cal is a team that has to play him at point guard. I think that's a huge part of the analysis with Jalen Tyson, but he's six foot seven. We've seen him be a three and D wing. This year, we're seeing what he can do with the ball in his hands. And he's put up huge, huge numbers. His drives are fantastic. Like, obviously, he's a good three-point shooter. But the pressure he's able to put at the rim, when he gets to his right hand and he's finishing at 6'7", 215, like, he is a chiseled 215 now. He's a big-time player. And I think that Mark Madsen's done a really, really good job putting the ball in his hands and letting him go to work for a Cal team that's a little bit undermanned, but they're starting to play a lot better lately. So a couple things on Jalen Tyson. One, I think every year we see prospects who aren't necessarily getting a bunch of early hype from NBA draft media, especially this time of year, end up uh, to, to kind of see their stock ascend throughout the process. And every year there's multiple guys who go in the first round that nobody was talking about four or five months earlier. If you asked me who would be some players to watch in that potential category, Jalen Tyson is certainly one of those players. It uh, doesn't mean that that he's he's going to have that fade. It just means like, hey, this is an interesting guy who's showing some some really accelerated growth that we've got to pay attention to because he's got markers with the positional size, the body type you mentioned, the versatility. Now that we're seeing uh, more passing coming from him, you know, he's comes from that defensive background where he's he's been in that that Chris Beard Mark Adams system. So he's going to be able to translate, or at least we know he's been well coached on that end of the floor. And now offensively. We're seeing a new side of him because he's got the ball in his hands. The shooting's going to be the interesting thing because at Texas Tech, he was above 40%, but only about three attempts per game. So he was really basically just taking wide open ones. Getting a lot more volume so far at Cal, uh, shooting a lower percentage. So it's going to be interesting to see how that number um, evolves during the course of the season. But certainly, we're seeing playmaking. We're seeing passing for other people. So there's there's playmaking for himself and others. And, and I think there's going to be defensive versatility there as well. So he's he's one of the more interesting guys that isn't getting a lot of buzz. And that's why he's uh, a draftables riser at this point in time. So, guys, that is Isaac Trotter. As I said, if you have not checked out his feature on Dalton Connect, please do that. Last week, it was the second-year transfers who are surging with four of those players in Ken Palm's top 10 players in all of college basketball. This year, he's ranking the Blue Bloods and also doing a uh, transfer. Is it transfer? Um, 
all how are we how are we titling that transfer mid-season all transfer team yep there We're it top is. 50, there it top is. 15 transfers so far this year man we've got some good ones 30 of the top 34 rated transfers are all averaging nine points per game in the early going and that's why i don't write the titles folks isaac thanks very much we'll see you real soon thanks for having me it's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, we're going to welcome in 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Travis Branham. And right now, we are talking about the high school prospects that have really helped themselves, been stock risers in the first month of the high school season. This is going to correspond to a roundtable we had on the 24-7 Sports site where you can see answers from all five members on our staff. But Travis, I want to ask you, about one player in particular, because it seems like Justin Pippen is the guy who's making the most buzz nationally right now in terms of taking his game to new levels. Yeah, he is one that I saw this summer uh, back at Section 7 in June with his high school team. Um, and he stood out even back then, six, six seven months ago. Um, what really stood out to me then was the skill set and the feel he had for the game. Uh, but Go fast forwarding to, to last month to when we got to see him uh, out at the border league. He looks like he's grown two inches, has stretched out, gotten longer in that skill set, his ability to score the basketball as well as be a playmaker. He's starting to piece it all together. He was capable already of doing both, but now he's becoming much more dynamic, uh, becoming much more confident, aggressive, and assertive out on the court. Um, so when you look at his older brother, Scotty Jr., uh, he was a late bloomer himself. I actually would say that Scotty Jr. was probably a bit further along in the development process. At this same stage, he had a bit more of a physically developed body at the same stage. But Justin is, is bigger. He's more athletic, I would say. And the upside, there's a lot of untapped potential there as he continues to mature, especially in his, in his frame. Uh, there's a lot of upside um, that I'm very excited about personally. And obviously, um, go back three weeks ago, he was about to on the brink of a commitment um, to a mid-major program, but decided uh, to, to keep it open. And now all the high majors are calling. Yeah. He's going to be an interesting name to track. Obviously people are very intrigued by, by the genes. I, I think the point that you made, which is really interesting is that he's already, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I haven't seen him recently, but you said he's bigger, stronger, and more athletic than his older brother at this stage. No, he is not stronger. I would say Scotty was stronger at this same stage. He's very, he's still thin and physically immature. He still looks really young. And that's where a lot of that untapped potential, um, it, there's still a lot of potential yeah. to be tapped into and that is left in the tank. Because when he, let's fast forward in two years, let's skip ahead in two years, his body's going to look totally different. Um, right. and so that's where I, I would see his game just continue to ascend to new heights. Well, and that was his dad's story too, right? Ends up in central Arkansas and was, was you know, grew whatever the story is, six, seven inches really late. I, I can't remember whether it was late in high school or early in college and obviously ended up being an all-time NBA great. Not to say that his son is going to follow that same trajectory, at least not to that extent, but it certainly adds credence to the 
potential for for a, a late blooming scenario like we're talking about here and it's the reason why high majors are tracking him a couple other prospects to note in this round table two of them were committed to the same program so that's really good news if you're kyle neptune and villanova brandon jennings told me that josiah Mo mosley and I, this is a, this is a direct quote here he's been playing uh the best basketball out of any prospect in the state of texas so far this season we've got deshaun london who's highlighting Matthew Hodge, another Villanova pledge. And again, this is all about the prospects that have really played well or improved their stock in the last month of the high school season. You can check that out on 247sports.com. Trav, I know you're getting on the road tonight. I'm going to see you in Florida. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks as always for watching this week's episode of College Basketball Recruiting Weekly. I hope everybody has a happy holiday season. We look forward to being back with you right after the first of the year. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.